0: Welcome to the FBCLB podcast, where you'll find the preaching of Dave Delaney, pastor of the First Baptist Church of Long Beach. Thanks for listening. Take your Bibles, go with me to the book of Nehemiah, Nehemiah chapter number one this evening. The book of Nehemiah and chapter one. Stay standing just out of respect for the reading of God's word. Nehemiah chapter one. And while you're turning to Nehemiah chapter 1, let me read to you a verse from Proverbs chapter 28. Proverbs chapter 28 and verse number 2, Solomon writes, For the transgression of a land, many are the princes thereof, but by a man of understanding and knowledge, the state thereof shall be prolonged. Solomon, of course, is talking about people in leadership, And he is saying when a country, when a nation, when a people have in a position of leadership men of knowledge, of understanding, of wisdom, of righteousness, there is with it a particular stability that comes. Leaders who are wise, knowledgeable, and understanding in the ways and word of God are stable, But I don't think you can, I don't think you have to leave that verse for a nation only. I think that verse can be applied to your family. When there are, or when there is a good leader in the family, the family will be strong, the family will endure. You can apply that to your business. You can apply that to your church. When there's leaders in a church who are wise understanding, and knowledgeable. There will be stability. There are few things that are needed more in life today than stability. There are rapid changes happening all around us. There are rapid changes happening in culture and society. Up is down. Down is up. Good is evil. Evil is good. And when these kind of seasons come on us what we need is stability where does stability come from it comes from leadership the bible says that's really what the book of Nehemiah is Nehemiah is an autobiography by the man Nehemiah himself about the leadership that was needed during his day. There's a time of crisis. You're going to see it quickly in the text. There's a time of crisis, and in this time of crisis, stability was needed. Stability is found in the man Nehemiah, who simply refers to himself as a cupbearer, and the prophet Ezra who is Nehemiah's contemporary. So when you read the book of Nehemiah, you also need to know that the book of Ezra is happening at the same time. These are two lanes running side by side. Ezra serving in a spiritual capacity to provide stability. Nehemiah serving in a very practical capacity that provides stability. Look at the text, Nehemiah chapter 1. We're going to be verse 1, 2, 3, 4. Then we're going to jump down to verse 11. I'll tell you why in just a second. But look at verse 1. These are the words of Nehemiah, the son of Hakaliah. Here's what he writes. And it came to pass in the month of Chislu, in the 20th year, as I was in Shushan the palace, that Hanani... One of my brethren came, and certain men of Judah. And I asked them, you should mark that phrase, I asked them concerning the Jews that had escaped, which were left in captivity, and concerning Jerusalem. And They said unto me, The remnant that are left of the captivity there in the province are in great affliction and reproach. The wall of Jerusalem also is broken down and the gates thereof are burned with fire. And it came to pass that when I heard these words that I sat down and wept and mourned certain days and fasted and prayed before the God of heaven. Now what you have in verse five all the way down to the end of the the chapter is you have one of Nehemiah's 14 recorded prayers. So in this small little book tucked away at the beginning of, uh, of, of, or in front of the Psalms, and really at the beginning of the list of prophets, you have Nehemiah recording 14 different prayers. And as we walk through this text in the next several weeks, we'll look at each of these prayers, but this is one of them. We'll look at this one next week, but jump down to verse 11. He's finishing the prayer, and he says, O Lord, I beseech thee, let now thine ear be attentive to the prayer of thy servant, and to the prayer of thy servants, who desire to fear thy name and prosper, I pray thee, thy servant this day, and grant him mercy in the sight of this man. So he's asking God to, to hear his prayer and he's asking God to give him mercy in the sight of this man. He's talking about someone specifically. Who is he talking about? He's talking about the king. He's saying, give me, grant me mercy, prosper me. Because he knows what he needs to do. Prosper me in the sight of this man, the king. And notice how he ends the text. For I was the king's cupbearer. Heavenly Father, use your word in our lives. And in Jesus' name we pray. And all the church said together, amen. amen. Thank you for standing. maybe may be seated. So here's what's happening. It's around the year... Of 586 B.C., the city of Jerusalem has been destroyed. It's been burnt to the ground by an evil man by the name of Nebuchadnezzar. You can read his story in the book of Daniel. The temple which Solomon had built, which Israel was so proud of, has been destroyed. It's been wiped out. It's gone. The Jews who were living in the land at that time had all been deported to Babylon. So think Shadrach, Meshach, Abednego, Daniel, all of them. This is, this is way back. It's almost 140 years from the time of the writing of this. You'll remember that they're kept in captivity for at least 70 years. And then some decades later, a remnant of people have been able to return. They come back with Ezra, the prophet. They move back to Jerusalem and they decide that they're going to rebuild They're going to rebuild the city that they love. It's their own build back better plan. That's what this is. They couldn't get anything moving as they had no leadership. No one was there to help them. And we must ask ourselves, well, why was the city destroyed in the first place? Why were they taken into captivity? I thought they were God's people. I thought God fought for them. And of course, God did. But the reason they're taken into captivity is because of sin that was in the nation. They began serving other gods. They began going after idols. They began setting up false temples to false gods. And they began serving them. The Bible says that they, they did what was right in their own eyes. Every man in the land did that. They did this because of the leadership that they had, namely Solomon. And so now, when God has allowed This enemy to come into the land and take them captive. You should make note of this. Sometimes the judgment of God in your life is simply that he lets you have your own way. It's essentially what he does here. He says, you want another God? Fine. See if he'll protect you. You want to serve different gods? See if they can do for you what I have done for you. See if they will be strong for you. See if they will hear you. See if they will answer you. See if they will grant you mercy and grace. See if they will allow you, like Nehemiah says in this passage, to prosper. See if those gods will do for you what I have done for you. No, 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 because they they don't and they won't and they can't because they are no God at all. There's no other God except him. And so the people are living in rubble, low morale, defeated, depressed trying to build back this city that they love. And what do you do when you're in that kind of situation? What do you need? What you need is you need a leader. And onto that scene comes this man, a man by the name of Nehemiah, who simply refers to himself in the text in verse number 11 as the king's cupbearer. You see that? For I was the king's cupbearer. The king's cupbearer is is an interesting title for Nehemiah to give himself. At at first, when we read it, we kind of think of this guy who's simply only taste-testing the food and drink that makes its way into the king's presence. And of course, that's part of what Nehemiah did, but it's not all that Nehemiah did. In fact, most Bible commentators would tell you that Nehemiah had the second most important position in all of the kingdom. It's better understood, his position as cupbearer is probably better understood as a prime minister of sorts, a a vice president, a secret service agent, the the king's right hand, his assistant, all of it kind of tied up in one position. He did all of these things, which teaches us something about Nehemiah, does it not? It teaches us that Nehemiah is well-trusted, Nehemiah is well trusted because Nehemiah is faithful. Nehemiah is dependable. In fact, that's what I want you to write down first. Notice, Nehemiah is dependable. That's what it says in verse 11. For I was the king's cup bearer. You know, the kind of people that God uses are the kind of people who are dependable. They are reliable. They are faithful. They are trustworthy. Solomon says that if you put your confidence in an unfaithful man, that your confidence then is like a broken tooth or a foot out of joint. You ever had a finger come out of joint or a shoulder come out of joint? It's very painful. You You ever broke a tooth? Very, very painful. And yet Solomon says that if you put your confidence in someone who is not dependable, you put your confidence in someone who is not faithful, and it's just like that. It's it's very painful to put your confidence in that kind of a person. Nehemiah was dependable. He was trustworthy. He's the king's cup bearer. And you don't get that position unless you are a dependable individual. I want you to notice this about Nehemiah. Nehemiah is not a pastor. Nehemiah is not a priest. Nehemiah is not a prophet. Nehemiah is not a king. Nehemiah is not a warrior. He's not a soldier. Nehemiah is an ordinary person. He's an ordinary individual who did something very ordinary. And what what was that that he did? He simply did the job that he was given to do. And yet this is extraordinary about Er, about Nehemiah. Nehemiah is an ordinary person who faithfully did his job. He was dependable. And when he heard of a need in another, thousands of miles away, two months' march across the desert, when he hears about a need in another area, he comes to the place where he must do something about it. Nehemiah has this profound ability as a leader because Nehemiah is dependable. That is what makes him such a great leader. You're going to see he's a faithful cupbearer to the king. He's a faithful general contractor, even though he's never built a wall. You're going to see he's a faithful governor. He's a governor for the children of Israel for 12 years at the end of the book. He's a faithful governor because he was a faithful cupbearer. Do you get the point? You will never be a faithful governor If you are not first a faithful cup bearer, you hear? You'll never be a faithful governor if you are not first a faithful cup bearer, if you are not first dependable. And this is the idea. Nehemiah is not going to God saying, God, if if you will just get me there, then I will be faithful when I get there. God, if you will just get it all set up, then I'll step in and take over. No, that's not what he's saying. No, he is saying, God, wherever you have me, Even right here, right now, I will be faithful to you here. Whether it's a cupbearer, whether it's general contractor, or whether it's governor, it makes no difference to Nehemiah because Nehemiah is dependable. I'm asking you, how dependable are you? As a husband, how dependable are you? As a wife, how dependable are you? As a friend, as a church member, as a nursery worker, as a Sunday school teacher, as a choir member, how dependable are you? And Nehemiah is dependable. But this is the second part about Nehemiah here, and that is, Nehemiah is thoughtful. Look look at the beginning part of the text. He says in verse two, I said to one of my brethren and, and certain men that came from Judah, I asked them concerning the Jews and concerning Jerusalem. Nehemiah is sensitive to the needs around him. Nehemiah is aware of the people who are standing before him. Now, I want you to think of this, because Nehemiah has a made, does he not? Nehemiah has the second best position in all of the land. Nehemiah is living in the palace there at Shushan. He's living on Easy Street. He's got a great salary. He's got a great gig. He's well-trusted. He's well-connected in the city. But the problems in Jerusalem were thousands of miles away. In fact, Nehemiah had never even seen Jerusalem. The, the children of Israel were taken into captivity. They were in captivity for seven years. They remained in captivity for another 70 years, which so, so Nehemiah maybe was like, it's been 120 years, perhaps, maybe 140, some Bible commentators said. Maybe that's 140 years before Nehemiah even came onto the scene. Nehemiah was born in Babylon, and yet he's concerned about Jerusalem. And when he hears about God's people, depressed, discouraged, defeated, he takes it very serious. The good leaders who do a good work are sensitive to the needs of people around him. Here's the point I'm trying to make, that, that God uses, the kind of people that God uses are people who care about the things that God cares about. The kind of people that God uses are the people who care about the things that God cares about. And what does God care about? Well, Namely, God cares about the souls of individuals. That's why he sent his son into the world. That's what we celebrated at Christmas time. And God cares about his church. God cares about his children. God cares about you. God cared about the fact in this text that the walls of Jerusalem were broken down. And since God cared about it, Nehemiah cared about it. That's what made him a great leader. And one pastor said this way let my heart break for the things that break the heart of God. Is that your prayer? Is your prayer that your heart would be broken with the things that breaks the heart of God? And this is the, the, this is the, the second step in, in doing a good work. First, that you must be dependable. Second, that you must have a sensitivity to the needs around you, that you must be thoughtful, that you must lift your eyes off of yourself. Nehemiah is dependable. Nehemiah is thoughtful. Here's a third thought. Nehemiah is available. Look what happens. He hears the news. Verse 4. It came to pass when I heard these words that I sat down and wept. Listen, there's sometimes that the news you get makes you drop to the ground. That's what it did for Nehemiah. It floored him. It flattened him. That's what we'd say. It knocked him down. He mourned certain days, notice that phrase, certain days, and fasted and prayed before the God of heaven. It's interesting. We'll, we'll talk about this, I think, three weeks from now, but it's four months between chapter one and chapter two. And sometimes when we read the Bible, we read it as if it all happened one day right after the other. I prayed, poof, I got what I wanted. I prayed, Poof, I got what I wanted. That's not normally how it goes in the Bible. That's not how it goes in your life either. And Nehemiah prays certain days. He he fasts and mourns certain days. In fact, later on, he's gonna tell you: day and night, day and night, I prayed and fasted before the Lord. Do you see what he's doing? He's making a concerted effort. To let God know that this isn't just some, some flimsy, off of a whim, just flying by the seat of his pants decision. No, this is Nehemiah saying, I am available for the long term in this. When the situation needed, a leader, Nehemiah simply responds, here am I. Send me. Nehemiah has the job, the position that everybody else in the kingdom wants. The problem that Nehemiah hears about is thousands of miles away. And yet, Nehemiah says, I will go. I'm not even a general contractor, I'm a cupbearer, and I will go. You should take note of that. God, God chooses to use Nehemiah, even though Nehemiah doesn't have the abilities for the job that needed to be done. Do you know why? Because God will enable Nehemiah when he gets there. That's true. Nehemiah takes all kinds of steps in going there. You'll see that in chapter number two. Nehemiah is very resourceful. Nehemiah is very thoughtful. Nehemiah is very strategic. Nehemiah is very planned. But you cannot cannot skip this verse in verse number four. That Nehemiah first, before he is any of those other things, Nehemiah first is available. Nehemiah is available. Available. This is the quality or these are the qualities of good leadership. Dependable, thoughtful, available. And those, are, those are qualities that are a matter of choice. You may not have certain gifts. You may not have certain abilities. You may not be able to do what someone else is able to do. You may not have the intellect that someone else has. You may not have the singing capability that someone else has. You may not possess the particular set of gifting that someone else has, but that doesn't matter to God. What matters to God is are you a man or a woman of character? Are you dependable? Are you sensitive to the needs of others? Are you thoughtful? And are you willing to do the work? Leadership comes in all types of shapes and sizes and temperaments. There's no one size fits all when it comes to leadership. Read the Bible. Paul was different than Peter. And Peter was different than Moses. Moses is different than Abraham. They're all as different as day and night, and yet God used them individually because leadership has nothing to do with your personality. Leadership has very little to do with your gifting, at least spiritual leadership, has very little to do with your gifting, but it has everything to do with your thoughtful, dependable, and availability. You ever notice this, how everyone thinks they know how something should be done? But very few people are willing to do it. Amanda says, opinions are like armpits. Everyone has a couple and most of them stink. Everyone thinks they know how to do it, but very few people are willing to do it. And men like Nehemiah are not merely content to get an answer to prayer. Men like Nehemiah want to be the answer to prayer. That's good, you should write that down. I'll wait. Men like Nehemiah aren't simply willing to get an answer. They want to be the answer. And Nehemiah has faith. Nehemiah has faith in God that God would move other men also. Look at the end of his prayer. He says, this is what I am praying. Be, be attentive to the prayer of thy servant. He's talking about himself. This is what I am praying, but also the prayer of thy servants. Plural. He recognizes enough to know that God can put the same burden on other people to do the same. Listen, Nehemiah is a man of action. Nothing happens until someone provides the leadership for it to happen. Nothing happens until someone provides the leadership for it to happen. And most people, if they're they're going to do something, they need someone else to do it for them. They need someone else to line it up. They need someone else to set it up. And if someone else lines it up and if someone else sets it up, then they will do it. But not Nehemiah. Nehemiah is not content to wait for someone else to make it happen. He willingly makes himself available in order for someone or in order for something to happen. I just, just out of curiosity, are, are you a, a leader or a needer? Are you a leader or a needer? Do you need someone else to set it up if it's going to be done? Or are you willing, like Nehemiah, and are you willing to say, no, this, this I know is what God wants me to do, and I am going to do it. Remember what Paul says, Paul, like Nehemiah, same mentality, Paul says, yeah, it was by the grace of God that I did this or did that. Yes, it was by the grace of God that I went there or, 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 or went here. Yes, it was by the grace of God, but I labored more abundantly than they all. You hear what he's saying? He's striking the balance, is he not? Is he saying, of course it's God's grace. If it wasn't for God's grace, I couldn't even get out of the bed in the morning. Of course it's by God's grace. If it wasn't God's grace, I couldn't even take a breath. Of course it's God's grace. If it wasn't God's grace, my mind would turn off today. But of course it's God's grace. Yes, it's God's grace. But I worked harder than everyone else. Hmm. Paul, like Nehemiah, made himself available. Can I tell you what this country, your family, our church needs? It needs leaders, men and women, who are dependable, thoughtful, available. More and more, it is tempting in our society to withdraw, to pull away from, not to press into but to pull away from. Distance ourselves, remain idle. Give ourselves to silly, meaningless things. Things that mean nothing in the end. Go, Go look up the statistics. People are doing this left and right. Working fewer jobs, fewer people getting married. More people suffering depression, more people engaging in substance abuse. Why? Because we've settled for an alternative which is not producing leaders, it is producing needers. They always need someone else to do it. I remember when Gabriel was probably 12 years old, I had gotten into hunting deer. I had all kinds of stands and tents. Amanda had bought me this pop-up tent that you can take out to a field and you can pop it up and it was supposed to be a two-person tent. Gabriel says, Dad, I want to go with you in a two-person tent. I said, no, that's a terrible idea. He said, please, Dad, please, please, will you please take me? I said, okay, fine, If if you'll wake up at 5.30 in the morning and get your... Camof- camouflage on, get your cold clothes on, put your gloves on and go with me, we'll do it. The first day he's supposed to go with me, he doesn't wake up. And we'll try to wake him up. Oh, I want to sleep, I want to sleep. Okay, fine, I'm going. Second day, he's supposed to go with me. I go try to wake up. Oh, I want to sleep, I want to sleep. He doesn't go. Third day, game, well, I'm going out. This is your last chance. If you don't go, I'm not going to take you. He gets out of bed, he goes. We're sitting there in the, in the little blind, and there's a little... A uh, little uh, opening in the blind right here and you can watch the, the deer as they come across and the idea would be that you pull up the gun or you know, the bow and arrow or whatever, you shoot them. They're sitting there and here comes this, this doe walking out into the field. I elbow Gabriel, hey, that's it. This is your shot, this is your chance. He says, what am I supposed to do? You take that gun, you pick it up and you shoot that thing right there. No, 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 you do it. No, no, shoot it. No, 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 you do it. Shoot it. The deer just goes right by. He says, why didn't you do it? I said, you're the one who's hunting. This is your shot. This is what you, this is what most people are willing to do. If you'll set it up, if you'll line it up, if you'll sight it up. And then if you'll just gladly pull the trigger for me. Listen, friend, there comes a time in your life where you have to pull the trigger. That's Nehemiah. It's Nehemiah. He's a man of action. He's leading. He's leading. Nehemiah is dependable. Nehemiah is thoughtful. Nehemiah is available. But all of this because why? Because Nehemiah is spiritual. Nehemiah is all of these things, yes. But this is what Nehemiah is first. Nehemiah is first spiritual. Courageous men, courageous women, courageous leaders, men and women of action are first men and women who walk with God. Remember that bumper sticker? Real men love Jesus, right? That's true. A clean and clear conscience with God gives you courage for whatever God is calling you to. If you have a clean and clear conscience with God, you have courage. You'll have courage. But a corrupt conscience makes you a coward. A clean and clear conscience makes you courageous. A corrupt conscience makes you a coward. Nehemiah hears the news, he's hitting his knees, he's calling out to God. He realizes that the solution to the problem that he faces in this life can only truly be found with God. Do you believe that? Do you believe that the solution to the problems that you are faced with in 2021 or will be faced with in 2022, the solution to those problems are found in God and in God's word? Do you really believe that? Can can I tell you this? Most people don't believe that. They, They believe in God, sure. They believe in God's word, sure. But most people do not believe that God and God's word holds the answer to whatever problem may come their way. Can I tell you this? We here at First Baptist Church, we believe the answer is found right here in God's word. Listen, listen, friend. God's word is sufficient for you. It's sufficient for your marriage. It's sufficient for your husbanding. It's sufficient for your wifing. Yes, I made those verbs. It's sufficient for your parenting. It's It's sufficient for every area of your life. God's word is enough. It's enough. We don't need anything except it. And God has given us so much more than just his word. God has given us his spirit. God has given us his people. God has given us songs. God has given us freedom. God has given us common grace that we experience every day. God has given us good food and taste buds. God has given us so many more things than just his word. And you know what we do? We, we enjoy all of these things and we neglect his word. Nehemiah is spiritual. He believes that the real solution to the problem can only be answered in God. Nehemiah sees every opportunity. He sees every circumstance that he is in and what Nehemiah is doing. And as, As we go through the book, you'll see every situation, every circumstance he's going, he's going, okay, God, what do you want me to do? God, what do you want? God, what do you want? God, what do you want? What does your word say? What would you have me to do? The man who seeks to build his own kingdom is going to end up disappointed, angry, and frustrated. The man who seeks to build his own kingdom in the end dies alone. But if you seek to build the kingdom of God, then in seeking first the kingdom of God, all of these things will be added to you. Matthew 6 If you seek to build first what ultimately will never be lost then you will have true contentment satisfaction and purpose in this life and you will have done what Nehemiah did and that is a good work that's what we're calling this series a good work this really found what we'll, we'll ended here this found in the second chapter, verse 18. Look at it with me, then we'll close. Look at verse 18. Then I told them of the hand of my God, which was good upon me, as also the king's words that he had spoken unto me. And they said, let us rise up and build. So they strengthened their hands And here it is, for this good work. It's a good work that needs to be done in your family, in our city, in this church, in our culture, in our world. It's a good work that needs to be done. But what kind of people do the good work? What kind of people set about to do a good work? People who are dependable, People who are thoughtful, people who are available, and people who are spiritual. Are you that kind of man? Are you that kind of woman? Are you that kind of member in your family? Are you that kind of member at the church? Are you that kind of person to your friends? Are you that kind of person? If we would be that kind of person, we would find ourselves doing a very good work which can never be lost.